Welcome to the 3D Parent Podcast. My name is Bevan Walters, your host and founder of The 3D Parent. I'm a certified parent coach and have spent the last decade living my calling in life, helping parents navigate the tough stuff like tantrums, sibling conflict, screen time overload, and managing the transition into the teenage years. My purpose is to provide you with the tools you need as a parent to lead with dignity, direction, and deep connection in your family relationships. My goal in creating the 3D Parent Podcast is to inform, empower, and increase confidence in parents so they can trust their instincts and make the best decisions possible for their families. For these reasons, I've rated this podcast FPEO for parents' ears only. Parenting is challenging, but you don't have to do it alone. Welcome back to the 3D Parent Podcast. Wow, we are going through some really uncharted territory right now all over the world. Um, For me, specifically in Seattle, with the coronavirus outbreak in my area being so heavily impacted, it is really impacting all aspects of family life for me, my family, my neighbors, my friends, and other people in our greater area. And this is kind of just a snapshot since the coronavirus in the United States um, really has jumped into the Seattle area initially. Um, We're kind of giving you a little bit of a sneak peek into what it might look for where you live. Um, Hopefully not. I would love to think that the virus is going to be contained and the spread will slow and maybe some miracle like the changing of the temperatures and seasons will impact this virus, although the experts say that it will not be the case. Um, At the very least, this will give you a bit of insight into what things look like for us and how we are making it through this really kind of period of uncertainty. A lot of it is scary. Um, There's the obvious health threat. Um, The good news here is that we have found that it is not particularly threatening to the young children, the youth, um, it is for those who have compromised immune systems and those who are older and the older populations. For those of us who have kids with underlying health conditions like asthma, um, I would imagine that our kids are at increased risk. And so that puts a lot of us in a state of constant alarm, which makes it really difficult to parent um, and keep our wits about us. But that's kind of the the state that we're in right now. So I had some other things planned to record for this week's podcast, but I decided to jump in on this really, really timely subject matter and address how this might look in your household and give you some tips on how not only to survive, but also to thrive during this coronavirus outbreak. So again, like I mentioned, it's an international health crisis. It's affecting all of us, if not immediately with our health and the health of our loved ones, but also economically with job uncertainty. Um, I woke up today hearing about more friends who have lost their jobs. I have a lot of friends in uh, the performing arts who are actors and singers and dancers and their shows have been forced to close. They're now out of work. I have other friends that work in the restaurant industry. Their restaurants are uh, facing closure or have already closed and people who work for them who've lost their jobs, lost their um, health insurance, um, and are in a really state of a lot of, of a huge crisis beyond the health concern is the 
how this is affecting people economically. And then also for kids who are in schools, that schools are closing. They've been closing over the course of the last couple of weeks. And as of yesterday, the Seattle schools closed for two weeks. And that just learned now that our governor is going to uh, require that the schools actually be closed for six weeks um, starting Monday. So it is a huge, huge uh, turn of events that have happened incredibly rapidly. I didn't even see this coming a week, two weeks ago. Um, and here we are now. So what does this mean? This is actually the last podcast I'll be recording for the next several weeks where my kids are in their school. Once they get picked up today, they're home for the next six weeks at least. So I will be figuring out how to do this, how to continue to work and uh, help my children. They're going to be doing uh, online and home remote learning during the six week time period. As I've said before, I have a preschooler, an elementary schooler, a middle schooler and a high schooler. So they're all gonna be managing this um, change of events and how school is gonna look for them um, at different, in, in different ways given their different ages and stages. So today I wanted to focus my podcast on the real pressing topics at hand for those of us who have children um, who are hearing things about this virus, that are picking up things from us, that are reacting to maybe some stress or anxiety that we might be feeling around this. And then going towards um, how we can talk to our kids about these topics at their different ages and stages, and address really what our kids need from us when it comes to addressing scary topics like um, a virus, and also um, kind of this huge shift for their schedules for many kids who currently are out of school or maybe out of school um, in the very near future. Um, I'm also gonna talk about how are we as parents going to manage home learning? For many of us, we did not intentionally set out to be homeschooling family, and yet many of us now are finding our Selves in that position. So I'm going to give you some insight in how you might carry out homeschooling in your households if this is something you've never done before. And then I'm going to talk a little bit, pretty briefly, about how to manage working from home while the kids are home. Because for some of us, that is the reality right now. We're having to get work done from home if we're so fortunate to have jobs and works that allow us that kind of flexibility or ability to do our work remotely and from home. So jumping right into the first topic, how do you talk to your kids about scary things in general that might be happening in the world? In this case, specifically coronavirus, but this would be applicable if there had been a natural disaster that was imminent or had just occurred, if there was some type of a, a terrorist event that had happened, um, a war that has broken out nearby or um, in countries that we have families or relatives that live in, anytime we are having to address scary topics in the news that are relevant to us or our world, how do we talk about that with our kids? Well, first and foremost, we have to check ourselves as parents. We don't want to be sharing our anxiety or fears with our children because our duty really is to protect them from um, becoming anxious and overwhelmed by really adult um, topics that they may not be ready for. It's our duty to protect their emotional well-being and their emotional health. And I know this feels like a big ask for many of us that are personally feeling really stressed. It is doable. 
But if this is feeling especially hard for you right now, please seek help. Reach out to your support system, whether that's friends, um, online communities, of course, partners and spouses. Um, talk to a therapist. Many therapists have, uh, they offer video chatting, video um, sessions where you can meet with a therapist online. Um, find that support that you need to keep yourself and your anxiety in check so that you will be better equipped to parent your child. You might want to look into some types of calming rituals, um, maybe meditation, music, exercise, things that help you stay calm and keep your own anxiety at bay so you don't you know, unintentionally share that with your children and put them in a state of alarm that is too much for them to handle given their ages. Next, you want to make sure that you're sharing age-appropriate information. So if we're talking about the very young children, Believe it or not, even to toddlers or young preschoolers, they're picking up what they're hearing around them. And even if you've not been specifically addressing this with your kids, they're hearing it. Um, I just heard recently an example from a friend who has a preschool-aged daughter who started chasing her child around the house saying that she was the coronavirus monster. <laughs> they're sponges. They're picking this up. They're um, dealing with it in the way that they are based on their personality and their age and their maturity level, but they're not missing that this is out there. So first, if you have a young child, I would suggest that you start off by asking some questions to kind of test to see what they might've heard, what they know. If it's kind of been if something that they've been oblivious to, great. You don't have to go very far. You don't need to teach your child about this virus and what it could do for um, the population at large if it's not something that's already on your child's mind. If it is something they've heard about, um, in particular, if your child maybe is away from you with um, at a school, a preschool, or a daycare during the day, they may be hearing things um, outside that they need to kind of work through with you at home. So if your child does share with you what they know, go ahead and you can just um, clarify anything that might look like misinformation and fill in just the details you think are essential without oversharing and stressing the child. And then of course, we need to stress good hygiene with our kids, something that I'm sure that you've already been doing, but just re um, basically going through every day and reminding them about hand washing, the 20 second rule, and then making it be something fun. So it doesn't have to be nagging, set an alarm, play some music, sing a song, do something to kind of help that 20 minutes, first of all, be something they can understand that length of time, but then also make it so it's not something that they're just avoiding. It's, it's fun, it's a game, you can insert some play into it. Um, other things, of course, washing hands after blowing your nose, obviously after using the restroom, um, and washing your hands intermittently throughout the day because we don't know where there might be germs and viruses lingering around on surfaces, particularly before eating, of course, and then also encouraging kids to avoid touching their face as much as possible. Good like, luck with that one if you have a young child. I know how hard that is, but we can just introduce and reinforce these um, suggestions, these rules right now for hygiene, and then we need to monitor our kids. This is an age group that needs our direct supervision, especially when it comes to making sure that they're hand washing properly and using good hygiene. If they sneeze and catch it in their hand, oh, whoops, you forgot this time, no big deal. Catching your elbow next time, let's go wash your hand. So it's really important that we are taking the lead in guiding our kids at this age group through taking care of their hygiene and not spreading germs um, in a way that might infect others. For the school-age kids, 
No doubt they are more aware of what's going on around them. They're hearing it on the playground in schools. They may be addressing it in the classrooms. Their teachers may be talking about it. And they're that much more aware of what we might just be discussing at home, what they might be hearing or overhearing on the news or radio or podcasts discussing this topic. Some kids at this age may be showing signs of increased anxiety. They may not be able to put their finger on what this is, but you know it because you're seeing it in ways that your kids may be acting out. There may be an increase of behavior problems right now that you're seeing, which really indicates that your child is stressed. And no doubt they're stressed in large part right now because of what is going on with the virus and also reacting honestly to what you may be putting out there. I'm completely guilty of this. Um, with my uh, third born, highly, highly sensitive child, she doesn't miss anything. And she's picking up no doubt on my stress, on the stress of um, people around her. And I'm seeing it in really, really tough mornings for her. Um, using her younger sibling as a bit of an emotional punching bag, picking fights, um, becoming kind of combative, seeing a lot of counter will. She's stressed and I'm seeing it. And so I'm checking myself and recognizing that I need to address that with her. I need to calm her worries. I need to um, connect with her to kind of guide her through this period of time where she is more inclined to have big reactions. Um, so that is something that I encourage you right now to keep in mind with your young children. Hey there, parents. Are you tired of feeling like your kids are in charge at home, negotiating, demanding, and generally calling all the shots? Well, then I have a free resource for you called 10 Steps to Get Back in Charge of Your Kids. Just click the link below to download your own copy. Let's get you back in the driver's seat. In addition to kind of checking in with your child and if they're showing signs of anxiety, um, you also want to check as similarly to the younger kids, check in to see what they know in terms of the facts about the virus and then fill in any gaps or correct any misconceptions. Again, you wanna give them honest, direct information without going into too much detail that might be overwhelming and not age appropriate. But you know your kids best and what they can handle. Just err on the side of not giving too much information and then answering questions if and when they are asked. It's also important at this age group to reassure kids that the medical professionals, that the governmental officials are doing their best to ensure our safety and that you, the parent, are making sure that you are current and up to date on the best ways to keep the family self safe and healthy and that they, the children, can relax in your care and trust you to make the best choices given what you know to be the safest and best course of action at this time. And again, with this age group, you can't do it too much. Review those good hygiene habits. Um, the next age set are teens or maybe even our older tweens. Um, you want to, with this age group, you need to be aware that they are a really easily able to access information is right there at their fingertips, on their phones, on the computers. And because of that, you need to help your child learn to distinguish between what information is true and what may be sensationalized or false. Or in this case, the information is changing so rapidly, they may have information that no longer is accurate. And so it's important to distinguish that between them and have open conversations. And if it sounds like something they're sharing does not sound accurate, work together to problem solve and find out the truth. Perfect example happened just this morning. My 13-year-old son um, said, uh, you know what? Our dog is also at risk of getting um, the coronavirus. Now he is partially true. 
that the coronavirus is a virus that, we did fact check this, the coronavirus is a type of virus that does run in all animals, human and otherwise. However, this particular version, the COVID-19 coronavirus, is only at risk for humans, not for animals. So when my son shared the fact that, oh, you know what, our dog could get this virus, I was able to fact check with him. We were able to dispel that, dispel that myth and stop it in its tracks. And that's a really important thing to be discussing with your teen or tween child at this time because they are able to be exposed to so much information so easily. Um, you also want to think about um, this age group and the increase in anxiety that they may be experiencing and again may not be actually expressing. Um, so check in with your child when you are in a context of good connection and you're talking to them and when you're talking to them and they're sharing with them some of their feelings, you can kind of see if you can draw some feelings that they may be having in terms of um, anxiety or worry associated with this virus. I was communicating with a friend today whose teenage daughter was feeling all the feels right now. She was going from panic about uh, the economic ramifications and it was this going to lead to their family becoming homeless. She was worried about if she was ever going to see her friends again because now schools are closed. She was worried about the illness itself and oh my gosh, are we going to get sick? Could we die? Could somebody I know die? She was going through all the range of worries associated with this, which are understandable. So normalizing those fears and worries with your teenage child, I'm feeling worried and concerned too. Um, and normalizing that that is a normal way to be feeling and then making a plan with your child how to kind of work through this period of uncertainty and worries. Okay, you may not be able to get together your friends right now at school, but how can you be in contact with your friend? How can we set up some uh, FaceTime calls, some, you know, some ways to stay connected with your peers right now while you cannot see them at school. Um, also with this age group, as with all age groups, it's important for your kids to know that you've got this and to be confident and let them know that you can rely on them, that we're staying on top of this important information. We are able to make the best choices for the family and that they can relax and know that you can be the one to kind of help make the decisions around this and keep the family informed. Telling a teenager to stay relaxed, I take that back. It's never a good idea to tell your kid to calm down or relax, particularly if they're a teenager. But the message there is just to go ahead and let your child know that you've got this, that you're on top of it, and that you are going to be leading the family through making the best choices around how to stay safe and healthy during this period of time. And again, broken record, I know, but share the recommendations about hygiene with your child and reinforce it and model it. Um, I know it might sound like you're a little naggy, but um, we all need reminders about washing hands before eating, when you're coming in the house for the first time after being outdoors and so on. Okay, next topic associated with this, school closures. As I shared at the beginning of this episode, um, my area, they have closed schools initially for two weeks and now it looks like it's gonna be extended for six weeks. And who knows what happens beyond that? There are some people who are projecting the, the possibility that school may not reopen again this year, that that is a real possibility up for consideration. They're trying to minimize the spread, but it's not necessarily going to stop the spread. It might just slow it down. And there's very good reason for that to not overwhelm the medical um, facilities and the medical personnel who are 
they're helping those who are um, really struggling with this virus. Um, and because of that, it might just uh, slow the spread, but the spread is still gonna occur. And who knows what things will look like six weeks from now and beyond. Um, the schools are all making in school districts in public and private and charter schools, et cetera, they're all making their own decisions around it, district by district, county by county. And it looks a little different. The recommendation looks a little different depending upon where people live. Um, so, okay, it's a big one. Um, the first thing I want to encourage parents to do, and in my parent coach sessions I've done on my private practice this week, I've addressed this with every single one of my clients about, oh my gosh, the impending possibility of schools closed, schools closing. And then here we are a couple of days later and they are now closed. I gotta tell you, first and foremost, your mindset is everything. You do not need to look at school closures as a personal hell on earth. You don't have to look at this and expect the worst. And plus, even more so, if your child picks up that that is your current mindset, how would that feel to your child? To know that you dread being around them, that the idea that you can't take them to school and be away from them for a long stretch of time is something that is terrible to, to consider. How would that make your child feel? Not good, right? So you need to change your mindset and change the way you're thinking about this. Kids are sponges. They're going to pick up what we put out there. And so if you're putting out there anxiety, dread, gloom, and like you're misfortunate at, at the fact that they are out of school and you don't, and you have to deal with this, they're going to be picking up on that. And that's going to be really hard for them to stomach. Um, is this going to be a huge inconvenience for many people and incredible hardship for many people? Absolutely. But let's look at the things that we can take from this to flip it around and have a more positive mindset about it. You can think about this as an adventure, as an opportunity to focus on connection and relationship with your children and as a family unit. This time will provide an undoubtedly uh, ex an, an extraordinary amount of family togetherness time without the normal pressures that we typically face of activities and after school sports and driving kids around and just the nonstop rat race. We don't have to face that right now. Um, that could be looked at as a, as a positive. So think, what are some projects that you've always wanted to knock off at home? What kind of cooking and baking and organizational tasks can you knock off together with your kids? What are some fun, cool old TV shows or movies that you've always wanted to binge watch with your kids? What are some board games? Maybe the ones that take way too long that you often kind of reserve for school vacations or summer. I'm thinking about games like Settlers of Catan and Monopoly and the Game of Life. Now's the time to break these things, these projects, these activities out and take advantage of long stretches of days where your kids don't have anything planned. Now's the time. So this is something you put off that should be a priority in the perfect world. Well, now you got the time. So let's take advantage of that. As I said, with schools closing, public schools in general cannot require digital learning and remote learning because of the disparity between students who have access to computers and internet and those who don't, so they cannot require this to happen. Still, parents who have kids in the public school system who don't have um, digital learning in place for their kids, they may want to put something in place and find a way to kind of structure the day around some ongoing learning so you don't end up with a huge gap in learning this school year. Um, I'm going to include in my show notes a list of free online programs for kids of all ages from the very young to the older 
um, set of kids with activities, with projects. Um, there is a novel writing website. It's an annual kind of novel writing challenge. Now's the time. Maybe your kid is ready to take on the challenge of trying to write their first novel. Why not? Um, there may be some other activities, some printables, some online learning opportunities that you might want to look into. If your school is not able to um, provide digital learning opportunities for your kids because of the fact that there's this disparity, which most public schools have to um, address, um, you can put on your own program for learning at home. And like I said, I'll have some links in the show notes and there's tons of other things you could look up online. I'm just providing one resource that I found. Um, other schools, private schools, parochial schools, religious-based schools, charter schools, and some public schools that do have school-provided technology, they're handling this differently. Some schools are requiring kids to be at their computers during normal school hours, like literally from 7.30 a.m. until 2.30 p.m. in the afternoons. They're gonna be taking class online and sitting at their um, computers and doing class by class as if they were recreating their school day, but from home on the computer with their teacher lecturing and them taking notes at home. That to me is a wild concept, not one that I would be particularly interested in, one that my kids I think would really struggle with sitting that long in front of a computer. They are giving them breaks, they're having the same length lunch and so on. But that is one, one way in which some schools are handling this. Other schools are sending home just packets of work and providing suggested daily schedules um, so that parents could kind of recreate a kind of school at home. Um, other schools are setting up online attendances where parents are um, or kids are having to show up online and mark that they are um, that they've attended school that day and then receive daily assignments that are to be accomplished and then submitted um, for grading virtually. So all of these are different um, things that different schools are um, how they're handling this big uh, period of school closure. Now, one thing that I found out from a friend who has a kid in the public school system is that um, they are going to have a, um, an exception to the number of days kids are required to be in school per year. And because there's no way that they can make up all these missed school days in the summer, they will extend the school year, but I think just by a week or a week or a half, and then they're going to call it good for the year and start fresh next year. So they're going to have an exception to the typical number of required days for school. Um, so that kind of answers some of the fears parents might have in terms of their kid not being able to move up to the next grade level next year. Um, so, okay. Now you're home and your child is either required to do their schooling at home or you might want to put this into place at home for your child to kind of create some degree of routine and structure for them. Now I'm imagining that homeschooling families who homeschool by choice are having a little bit of a giggle and a laugh at those of us who do not homeschool because they've been doing this for some time now. They're the experts at this. And so we can really lean on the homeschooling community to kind of tell us, how do you do this? How do you structure your day? One thing that homeschooling families will tell you, one of the reasons they love it is that Homeschooling does not need to look like regular school. In fact, one of the things that is the benefit of homeschooling is that you can kind of tackle the academics in a pretty short period of time as compared to the length of a school day. Depending upon the age of your child, it can be anywhere from an hour to three hours, and then you're done with the academic load. Obviously, homeschoolers then can fill in the rest of their time with field trips, going to museums, meeting up with um, other types of classes, uh, with uh, co-op groups, and so on. 
And all those things right now are not available to people because our museums and uh, any form of school, including co-ops, are closed currently. Um, and field trips, unless it's something that you can do in the outdoors and not come into contact with people, um, field trips in general are not something that can happen right now either. Same thing with travel, since travel right now is getting shut down, bonded, and greatly discouraged. So even the homeschooling families are having to rethink what homeschooling looks like without the typical enrichment activities that they do. So one of the tips that I've gotten from homeschooling families is to think about creating a routine versus a schedule. Some of us could get really locked into a schedule that's based on certain times at, you know, at nine o'clock, uh, we have breakfast, oh, I'm sorry, nine o'clock we start school. I was gonna say, I wish that not, uh, breakfast is at nine o'clock at my family. <laughs> breakfast at our household happens at uh, seven or a little bit before, pretty much on the nose based on when the kids wake up and also when they typically have had to go to school. So, you know, breakfast, clean up from breakfast, uh, start the school day by nine o'clock. By 9.30, we'll be doing reading. At 10 o'clock, we'll be doing social studies. And then we'll take a 15-minute break for a snack. And if you get tied into a tight, tight schedule like that, you might be up against a lot of frustration. So instead, think about it in terms of routine. So it's a little bit more open-ended in terms of the amount of time you might spend on each different activity of the day. And that routine is gonna have, of course, time for home learning, as well as other activities that you might have planned or unstructured free playtime, which is also essential for kids. But having it be part of the routine of the day so kids know and there's a degree of predictability. Also having some type of a routine in mind will help you from falling into the trap of just letting your kids become complete catch potato zombies on screens all day long, which you know, might keep them occupied, but we'll get old real quick. And as we know, too much screen time will result in all kinds of problems in terms of kids getting completely addicted to their screens and also um, them not really being willing to do things other than screens because of the addictive nature of screens, as well as the fact that then you have to start policing and it gets really frustrating in families when you're having to constantly police. So build in screen time into the routine structure of your day games, time to do maybe some special crafts and cooking, and also exercise. Kids are not going to be in PE classes and having multiple recesses, so you need to build in time for kids to move their bodies. Um, you know, going into the great outdoors is, as far as I understand, is completely fine during this time. They're just not needing to be, um, they're just not supposed to be around groups of people, but taking walks, going to, um, you know, green spaces, running around, playing games, climbing trees, all should be absolutely fine, as well as getting out bikes. If the weather is um, decent, it's not raining out, riding bikes, uh, taking walks, taking jogs, and so on. Um, all of that should be built into the structure of your day. And then, of course, time for free, open-ended play that does not involve a screen. Um, you might also hear from your kids that they miss their friends. Of course, they're going to miss their friends. So reach out to the parents of your friends if possible, or if your kids are older and have contact information, and have them schedule online play dates, for lack of a better word, where they can um, Skype or they can FaceTime with their friends and visit, interact. They can even play some games with each other. So they can kind of maintain that connection and closeness with their friends that they're probably missing since they're not getting a chance to see them. Um, I know there's also teachers. There's a wonderful preschool teacher in our neighborhood who happens to be also a friend, and she's setting up 
a Zoom classroom for her preschoolers so they can interact with her and she could sing songs and, and talk and interact with them. And they're going to have this little Zoom classroom meeting. I don't know how often she's going to do it, but I love the idea of maintaining that connection with the teacher as well because kids are going to miss their teachers when they're away from them for this extended period of time. Um, okay, so more about setting up uh, success around uh, learning at home, home learning, uh, homeschooling. Um, you want to prepare the night before for the following day. So when you're getting ready to head off to bed, before you do that, look at what academic things need to occur the next day. And this is if you're going to be the one driving the home learning or if uh, you already know kind of what your expectations are from your child's school, what they need to do around learning. Um, prepare, gather the materials that you're going to need. If you have to, you know, figure out what books are going to be needed or worksheets, if that's been sent home from your class, get things pulled together the night before so you don't waste a lot of time and get off course the next day trying to get everything together. Plan the night before. That can really help um, with kind of keeping the momentum going. Another thing you want to do is um, think through that routine plan the next day, the learning as well as the structure of the day. Um, you want to set up an environment where the kids can do their learning. Now, if your kids have homework, it can mimic where they do their homework, or you may want to kind of make this something special and set up a home learning environment to help them stay on task and also so that they can be supervised and you can keep an eye on them to be there if there are any questions and to make sure they're staying on task. You also want to be sure to decrease distractions like technology, TV, phones, computers, unless they're part of the work that they're doing right then and there. Put all the distractions aside so they can focus on their learning time. And then make the best choice about when those kind of periods of learning are going to happen and absolutely include your children in making that decision. Maybe first thing in the morning they want to knock it all out one block. Maybe it makes more sense to break it up into a couple blocks throughout the day. Involve your kids, that's gonna make them more inclined to have buy-in into what this is gonna look like and be successful. And then also, you will have every right to readjust, to take a look at what's working and say, oh, that didn't work, we're gonna try something different tomorrow. Mix it up, you don't need to get stuck in a rut. If you're trying this for the first time, as many of us are, I've never homeschooled my kids. I've done some summer learning kind of activities from time to time, but this is different for me. And I know I'm gonna be facing some challenges along the road, uh, along the way, that's fine. Prepare for that and know that it's okay to make some adjustments and to start over fresh. It's also okay just to take a break from this routine and structure from time to time and say, we're gonna mix it up, we're gonna do something different today. If you need a break in the routine, you're feeling like maybe everybody's on edge, maybe it's become a battleground. We don't want that to happen. This should not be something you're battling with your kids. We want it to be something that everybody is going through with the least amount of strife and frustration as possible. Okay, I'm not gonna talk a long time on this next topic, my final big nugget. Um, because it does not apply to everyone, and I don't have a tremendous amount to share on the topic, but I will give you some strategies to keep in mind. And it's the topic of how to manage we parents who work um, part-time, full-time, or are displaced from our work environments and are working from home right now, how to manage that while kids are home. Um, for me, I work for myself primarily. I have my own company. I have some flexibility, but I do rely on my kids being in school to get my work done so that when they're out of school, I can be present to them and chauffeuring them around town, around town and helping them with homework and whatnot, supervising play dates and so on. Um, but for those people who don't have that um, flexibility 
or who's, um, they have a demanding job, but they're having to accomplish it from home, this is uncharted territory. Um, one suggestion I may, would make, and this is particularly if you have younger children that need a lot more supervision, is to work off hours. You might need to get up early and put in a bunch of work hours before your kids wake up. Similarly, you might want to put in more of your work hours after your kids go to bed. You also need to, of course, do some um, tag teaming if possible. If there's another parent or spouse or partner in the home, can you tag team? Can you take turns having periods of time where you could be uninterrupted and be more efficient in getting work done while the other parents, it, while the other parent is um, on the kids and then vice versa, swap in and out. Um, older kids, of course, can be independent for periods of time, so set boundaries for them and let them know when you need to have quite uninterrupted work time. If you're going to take a work call, um, you might want to even have a sign you have on a door that you can close so they understand to respect that this is a time when you cannot interrupt me, and then let them know when you are going to be available. So just keep that all in mind there. Um, if possible, if it is possible and you require um, more work hours than are able to be accomplished now that your kids are home, you can hire a babysitter. Now, I know that may not be completely in line with the recommendations for social distancing, but I would imagine if it's like one consistent person, that wouldn't be much different than a family member being part of your household. Um, keep in mind that most colleges and universities have released their kids and they've sent them back home. So kids are already college kids, college age kids, as well as high school age kids are already home or on their way home. So if you need to have um, work accomplished and you need childcare, know that there's probably an excess of babysitters looking for some work right now. Also, as I mentioned at the top of um, this podcast, I have friends that work in the arts areas who also right now are out of work. So um, performing artists who who um, their theaters have had to shut down, who are looking to pick up hours and um, opportunities to earn money. And same thing with people who work in the rest restaurant field as well. So um, there is help out there if that's something that could work for you if you are able to um, hire a babysitter. And I wanna end by acknowledging this huge impact that this virus is having on individuals and families from the health implications um, particularly those with out-risk populations, um, either the elderly or those who are, um, their immune system is compromised for one reason or another, who have underlying healthcare conditions. This is terrifying, as is what this means in terms of potential job loss or loss of income, um, fun financial devastation that we may be experiencing, the lack of childcare and food and essential school services that are gone now that schools are closed. I know school districts are really working hard to meet those needs and provide food for kids who rely on the schools to provide nutrition, but this is this is a huge situation and I do not wanna make light of this or make it just about having fun while homeschooling your kids. This is a really serious time. But I also know that at the 3D Parent, the 3D Parent podcast, I'm trying to encourage you and empower you to rise up and provide what your kids need during this very difficult and uncertain time. It's scary and our kids require that we be strong and nurturing leaders for them in times of crisis, in scary times. And so I wanna encourage and empower you to be that for your kids. I know it's hard, I know it's a big ask, but I also know it's possible. Um, just recently, I saw a YouTube video of a father who lives in Syria, and it's, I'm gonna put a link to this YouTube video in my show notes so you can see it if you've not seen it already. And this blew my mind, and it made me think about what we're going through right now. This video was a father 
who had a young child, I'm, I'm guessing she's probably in the neighborhood of around two or three years old, who right now they're living in this war-torn country. And he turned um, the hearing bombs being dropped in close proximity to their homes, he turned that into a game for his child. He turned it into um, whenever they heard a bomb drop, they would laugh hysterically and then made that be the game. It's so sad and devastating and I completely cried tears when I watched this. At the same time, I was incredibly inspired by this parent and how he was able to use his connection, his attachment with his child to lead her through something that could be terrifying and turn it into something positive and connecting and sweet and endearing. There's nothing sweet and endearing about war. There's nothing sweet and endearing about health crisis, but we can use this opportunity to rise up as parents and provide what our kids need. And in these situations, like living in a war-torn um, area or in a country that's being ravaged or in a world that's being ravaged by disease and economic and health uncertainties, we can provide what our kids need. We can rise up and do this. Our kids are depending on us to do so. So good luck out there, and I hope this has inspired you to find a way to not only survive, but also thrive during this coronavirus outbreak, and um, I wish you the very best. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope it has provided you with the inspiration you need for building stronger relationships with your children and trusting your instincts when it comes to parenting. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered on the podcast, or if you'd like one-on-one -on -one parent coaching, head over to the3dparent.com and click the contact tab to send me your question. If today's discussion empowered your parenting, please be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social media. So take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at the3dparent. I look forward to meeting you here again next week on the 3D Parent Podcast.